going to continue a series that we started several weeks ago called This Is Us. This Is Us. And we're talking about our lives here at Grace Chapel, what we are as a church, our core values. And we started to list every week our core values. We have five core values here at Grace Chapel. And I started two weeks ago by telling you what I consider to be the most important value that we have. And the most important value that we have as a church is biblical authority. Biblical authority. And uh, what that means is we see our world through the lens of the Bible. That we do not take our experiences and say, well, our experience determine whether the word of God is true or not. We take the word of God and that determines whether our experiences are true or not. In other words, let me give you this example. If you have sickness in your body, you could say, well, I have sickness. That must mean that the word of God is not true because it says that I'm healed. Or you could say like this, this is what I believe. I believe that the experience of being sick is not true. This is an experience that I'm having in my life that is contrary to truth. Now, it could be a fact, but it's not truth. In other words, the truth says, God's word says, I'm healed. So one of those has to change. So the word of God, we believe, does not change. That means my experience has to change. I refuse to live sick. I'm going to believe God that I'm healed. Does that make sense to everybody? So there has to be a source of truth. There has to be outside of ourselves. And so we said that the word of God is the source of absolute truth. And every week when I get up, I want to every week share scriptures. We're going to read from the word of God. In fact, today we're reading from Hebrews chapter 5 and, and I'll share some more scriptures. We'll put these scriptures up on the screen. I always want to encourage you though, bring your Bible or take out your phone or your tablet and, and find the word of God and follow along because it's important that we have a source outside of ourselves that determines right and wrong in our life. And for us, that's the word of God. It's biblical authority. And then last week we said that we are a spirit-led church. Spirit-led church. That's a value that we have. And uh, I was having breakfast yesterday morning with a minister that I had, I had I've seen before. We met online before, but we had never met in person and so he said, well, well, Grace Chapel is at a Pentecostal church. And I said, yeah, we're, we consider ourselves what you would call a Pentecostal church, although we're non-denominational. We don't ascribe to a denomination. And he said, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, it means that we're spirit-filled. And he said, well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, and I said, listen, that's just lingo, right? I, got, I, got, I grew up in church. Listen, I grew up in church, y'all. I grew up in, in pews and in hymn books. And come on now, I mean, singing hymns. That's just, I grew up in it since I was really young. And, and uh, so I learned all the lingo. And so we say things like, like spirit-filled, or we'll say Pentecostal, or we'll say charismatic, or we'll say we're spirit-led. What does that mean? And so we defined what spirit-led means for us, and it means this. We make room for the Holy Spirit to move his presence and his gifts. We make room, and so that means whether it's during the worship time, after service, while I'm preaching, 
during the second song when everything's over in a small group, in our middle school group, in kids' church, in the nursery, we've determined that the most important thing we could do here on a Sunday is let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit because he could do more in a moment than we could do in a lifetime. Somebody say amen. So we've determined that we're going to be a spirit-led church. We're not going to structure the service to where the Holy Spirit has no time and cannot speak or move. Hallelujah. Now, I know that there are churches that they structure everything around the guest, that the guest is the most important person, that we're not going to get too crazy. We're not, hopefully nobody get too loud. We're not going to let, you know, anybody uh, talk in tongues and we hopefully none of that will happen. We don't want to pray for people. We're not going to lay hands on anybody because after all that might make the guest uncomfortable and they structure everything around the guest. I said, no, no, no. Listen, it's important to to welcome guests, but I want to structure our service around the most important person in the room. And it's not me and it's not you. I'm sorry to hurt your feelings today, but you are not the most important person here. The most important person in this place is the Holy Spirit. And we want to structure everything that we do around him. And if he wants to speak, guess what? He speaks. And if he wants to lead worship, he sings better than anybody in this place. Hallelujah. I said last week, listen, I'm not the the pastor. The Holy Spirit really is the pastor. I'm the guest speaker. And he tells me what to do every week. And some weeks he'll say, you know what, pray for people, go into more worship, stop right now. We've had services where where we haven't done announcements or nothing. We went straight into preaching, and then we've had services where we've never preached. I didn't get to preach. The Holy Spirit said, not today. You get to preach next week, maybe, you know. And uh, that's all right, amen, because the most important person in this room is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so I want to talk to you today about our third value as a church, and that's spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. And what that really means, what we believe it means, is that we're growing in our faith and fulfilling God's purpose in our world. We're growing in our faith and fulfilling God's purpose in our world. And as a church, we want to structure the church and, this, and, and structure uh, what we do, the ministries of the church around a believer coming in and being able to plug in right away and, and grow, but also somebody who is totally unaware of the things of God. Somebody who comes in and they, they're not a part of a church, never been a part of a church. They're new to Christianity. These things are unfamiliar to them. What are we going to do with them? We want to be able to have somebody walk into this place and, and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then now what? Now what? That's not the end. That's just the beginning. Every time I pray for people to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I say this. Listen, this is just the first step. This isn't the last step. This is just the first step. Now, God requires growth. God requires you to continue in the faith. Amen. I want to to read something to you. John chapter 15, verse number 1 says this. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Now, this is Jesus talking, John chapter 15, and he says this, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So I kind of look at it like this. You're pruned if you do, 
and you're pruned if you don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> I said, you are pruned. You know, the things in me that aren't bearing fruit, man, God wants to take those things away. Let's get rid of those things that are not healthy. Let's get rid of those things that are distracting from, from what my purpose is in your life. Brian. Let's get rid of the sin and the filth. Let's get rid of those things that are not bearing fruit. Let's prune those dead things. They're dead, and let's prune them away. And then the things that aren't bearing fruit, man, he still shapes and molds those things because God's expectation and his demand on my life is that I grow. I grow. Jesus, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, 52, Jesus grew. He grew in wisdom and, and, and physically stature and favor with God and favor with men. Jesus grew. God's expectation on us is that we grow. God is looking at us. He's looking at my life every day. Let me tell you, God is studying me and he is saying, hey, are you growing are you growing? And I've been saved for a very long time. Like I said, I grew up in church. I've been a part of this thing for a long time. I've been in ministry for a long time. But listen, God still expects that I grow. None of us have arrived. We're not there yet. He's still working and shaping. And let me tell you, he's going to be pruning on me until the day I exit this earth. He still expects that I grow. That I grow, that I grow, that I grow. Colossians chapter 2, let me read this to you, verse 6. And this is from the New Living Translation. It says, and now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Watch verse 7, I love this. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanks, thankfulness. God's expectation is that we establish roots in him. Roots in him. See, God gives this analogy, hey, that we are growing, that we're a plant. The other day I was at Home Depot with my son, my seven-year-old, and, and he always wants something. What's with these kids? They always want something. So we're like walking around and, and I'm like, I got to buy him some. And I want to buy him something cheap. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not spending a lot of money. I'm a Home Depot. What can I get him at Home Depot? So we walk by this place and, and uh, we're in the, you know, like the lighting. But for some reason, there's this rack of seeds. It was just seeds. We're, you know, and I thought, eh, I could do this. This is like a buck 40. I got this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this ain't going to break the budget. Come on now. Dollar 40. I said, you can get two. I'm going to be generous today. I'm going to spend 280 you know. And we walked out of there, and I was like, you want, let's get this. Let's get this kind of thing. And he wanted to buy us crazy stuff, and he wants to buy, like, pumpkins. I ain't growing no pumpkins, you know what I mean? We got a back porch. I'm not going to, this isn't no pumpkin farm. And then he grabs watermelon seeds. That ain't going to work either. So he grabbed tomatoes. I said, all right, let's do tomatoes. And then he grabbed some flour. I couldn't even tell you what it is. I said, let's do it. And, man, we bought a couple little buckets, and I had some topsoil left over from a while back. Man, we put those things in the ground. And, you know, of course, you know, kids, they're going to water them things forever. I'm like, you got to be careful with the watering. But he wants to water it 10 times a day. I said, no, 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 let's do this. And, man, we did that. And, and man, overnight, I mean, overnight, we saw something spring up. And then the next day, it got a little bigger and a little bigger. And every day, but he wakes up 
Every day he wakes up, he goes onto that back porch and he is checking it out. And we see plants now that, you know, it's, if that's the ground, they're like this high now. And I'm going, I'm going to have tomatoes. I am going to, I don't eat tomatoes, but I'm going to have tomatoes. But I'm a farmer. I was all excited and giddy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> tomatoes probably going to be like this big and I don't even know, you know. But, but he is excited to watch it grow. Let me tell you, there's a God in heaven who's looking. And every morning that we get up, he's looking at us and he's saying, okay, are you growing? 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 Are you getting rooted? Are you getting rooted? Are you getting rooted? And the dead things have to go. Huh? The dead things have to grow. You have to, you have to grow. And the expectation is, Paul writes to the church of Colossae. He says, hey, that you are rooted deep in him. Let your roots grow down deep. Huh? Because God's expectation is that there is spiritual, spiritual growth in our life. Hebrews chapter 5, if you're there. Hebrews chapter 5, I want to read a couple scriptures to you. Now, the Bible doesn't say who actually wrote the book of Hebrews, although many theologians believe that it was the apostle Paul, but, but uh, you know, because of the way it's written, some different things. But in verse number 12 of Hebrews chapter 5, this is actually the admonishing. This is, this is the writer of Hebrews. If it was Paul, he's writing and he's saying, hey, things need to change. This is not good because he says in, in verse number 12, watch this, for though by this time, you ought to be teachers. Let's stop right there. Stop right there. For though by this time, for though by this time, this time, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. He's saying, what's he saying? He's saying, there's been some time that has elapsed. By some time has elapsed. Maybe in, it was a year. Maybe it was a couple years. But he says, time has elapsed. And in that time, you should have grown spiritually to where now you are teaching others. Because watch what this says. Because I looked this up, this verse up, because the New Testament's written in the Greek, and the word ought in the Greek is actually the word obligation or debt. Watch this. What the writer is saying, he's saying, so much time has elapsed that you have an obligation, a debt. You are obligated to grow spiritually so that you now can teach others. And so they're writing this with the understanding that that God doesn't just let time just be wasted. He's not up there just going, okay, it's been five years. Hey, I'll give you another five. God is up there going, it's been five years. It's been 10 years. It's been one year. It's been six months. And you're obligated now. It's requirement. This is not optional. This isn't if you want to. There's a requirement on your life that you are to grow spiritually to such a point that you're actually taking what you're learned and investing it and teaching it to others. It says, for this time you ought to be teachers. But yet, watch this, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. 
But solid food, watch verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of a full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So I told you I have three kids. I have a 20-year-old who's off in college. He's a junior in college. Then I have a 17-year-old daughter. And and, uh, then I have my seven-year-old. And I have expectations of all of them. And the expectations are based on their age. A 20-year-old will come home. He's only 45 minutes away. So he'll come home sometimes and and when he's really hungry. When he's really hungry, he comes home. And so he'll come home and and, uh, he comes in. And, you know, he's coming in. He doesn't live with us anymore uh, he lives down there, but he'll come in. And, and even though he comes in, not living there, I still have expectations of him. You see that garbage that's overflowing? You ought, by this time, you ought to know that I don't need to tell you to take it out. Come on now. You ought to be mature enough to do it on your own. And all the parents said, come on now. Huh? And then I have a 17-year-old, and uh, she's perfect in every way, but, but I still have expectations of her. See, there's a sink full of dishes, and Dad hates to do dishes, so you ought, you ought to know that the dishes should be done, not by your mom, but by you. Hallelujah. Why? Because your time to contribute is now. We don't make the seven-year-old do the dishes because we want to live healthy lives, right? And we don't make him take out the garbage. It wouldn't happen. We have expectations of him. They're, they're different. It's cleaning your room, picking up toys, doing different things, but those expectations are different. So, so based on maturity, there's expectations, and God has the same patterns. He is a father. He is a parent. And he is looking at us as his sons and daughters. He said, hey, you're my children, but by this time you ought. There's a requirement. There's an obligation. So I want to do this this morning briefly and quickly. I want to give you four questions that that we're going to ask ourselves today. I'm going to be included on this. We're going to ask ourselves these four questions I'm going to go through them fairly quickly, but I want you to either write them down or kind of, kind of jot them down. I'm going to put them all on the screen. So if you missed one, don't worry about it. They're all going to be together on the screen at the end. Um, but the first question is this, am I leading a disciplined lifestyle? How do I know what spiritual growth looks like? How do I know if I'm even growing spiritually? How do I know that I, I've increased? How do I know that, that in these last months or years of my life, and for some of us, listen, I told you, for me it's been decades, decades of Christianity, decades of church, decades of worship, decades of read the Bible. How do I know that I've grown spiritually? I have to ask myself these questions, and the first question I would ask myself is, am I leading a disciplined lifestyle? What that means is this, am I willing to forego sleep and entertainment to open up the source of all truth, this book on a daily basis to go into my prayer closet and open up the word of God and say, okay, God, I need you to speak to my life. I need to read the scriptures and, and, and go through my daily devotions. I do that on a daily basis and pray for my family. It's called a disciplined lifestyle. And if I'm spending too much time on Netflix or Facebook or Instagram or or social media, you know, listen, how many of you have an iPhone? If you have an iPhone, raise your hand. How many of you have an Android? 
get out. No, um, no, no, you could stay, you could stay, but, um, but we, don't, we don't love that part of you. But um, iPhone has this new update. I just, I just got it this weekend because somebody was telling me about it. They got a new update where they show you how much time you spent on the phone. I was thinking to myself, I don't even want to know. I don't want to know. But it will show you how much time you spent social networking, reading, huh? Just entertainment, different things, games and stuff. And so I downloaded it. And yesterday, now I was traveling a lot yesterday. And I, you know, my wife and I were at Atlanta and we're eating. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And I showed her, I said, look how much time I spent on my phone today. 10 hours. I spent on my, I said, this is not accurate. This cannot be true. And then I'm thinking, well, the whole plane ride, I was on my phone because... Delta lets you do that. And so I'm like, my goodness, I was on my phone for 10 hours. Now, thankfully, it didn't say social networking. But I go, that cannot be true. So I, hopefully it's not. Hopefully the, there's a bug there or something that has gone awry. But if I'm not disciplined enough to get off of the things I should get off of and get away from the screens and the TVs uh, and the video games and all those things that, that would consume my time, then I'm probably not growing spiritually. So the first question I would ask myself, and I hope you're asking yourself, is am I leading a disciplined lifestyle? The second question would be this, can I discern truth from error? Can I discern truth from error? In fact, we've just read that scripture, Hebrews chapter five, at the end, it said this, that your senses have been heightened, your senses have been used so much. In other words, you've learned how to practice the disciplines of the word of God so that you can tell right from wrong. And let me tell you, this week, our country, as a nation, we went through, an, a, a, I consider it a tragic time in our country because we have, we faced a situation this week where it is he said, she said, and we're wondering, we're all wondering, how do we discern what is truth and what is a lie? When there's no facts, when there's no corroborating evidence, when, when there's nothing DNA, when it's simply he said, she said, how can we discern truth from a lie? Do we go by body language? Do we go by, well, it, it sounds more credible. What if they're both credible? What if they both sounded credible this week? And, and if you've watched in the news, you know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you how we discern truth from a lie. The Holy Spirit helps us. He is the guide. He is the author of truth. He shows us the truth of God's word. He tells us what's in, what's out. He tells us that's a lie and that's truth. That's why we need to be spirit-led, and that's why we need to grow spiritually because my five senses will let me down. Let me tell you, what looks good isn't always good, and what looks right isn't always right, huh? And so we need the Holy Spirit in our life to help us. That's why every morning I got to say, listen, I can't be led by just what looks good, feels good, and what I think is right or wrong just by my brain. I need the Holy Spirit to come in and renew my mind and transform me. I need to know that the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding me into all truth. Hallelujah. Can I discern truth from here? The third question is this, am I contributing to the mission of Christ? Am I using my gifts, my talents, my abilities to increase his kingdom? When I come to church, am I contributing? Hallelujah. 
Not just financially, of course, that's a part of it. I want to give my tithes and offerings, but I want to contribute also to volunteer to do things. Yesterday, we had a group from our church go to Pahokee, and they, they served in Pahokee just painting, which I think the devil is going to make us do in hell to kill time. Not us, but other people, right? Because painting is from the devil. I don't know, but that's just me, right? Painting's the worst. It's almost as bad as fishing. Anyway, so... so They were painting, though. They were just painting and just serving, using their gifts and talents and abilities. And every week on this campus, every week, we have a team of people out to my left in a garage feeding people. People would come and get boxes, and we have ministries that are coming. Matthew 25 Ministries from Bahokee. Wellington Cares comes every week. And, and to this day, to this date, this year, I just got the numbers uh, a week ago, we have fed over 5,000 people as a church through our food pantry. Can we give God glory for that? Amen. That's every week. And you say, how does it happen? Let me tell you, I don't do any of it. There are other people that get here on Fridays. They go pick up food on Fridays and they come on Fridays and they they organize the food. And then every Sunday morning, they come early every Sunday morning. Why? Because there's something in them that says, I have to contribute. It's a part of, of growing. It's a part of maturity. Amen? That we don't let our kids just grow up to be teenagers and young adults and just sit on the couch and not contribute. Hallelujah. Amen. God expects the same of us. And then the last question I would ask you this morning is this. Am I leading others to follow Christ? Am I leading others to follow Christ? The writer of Hebrews says, by this time, by this time, by this time. In other words, am I, am I duplicating myself? I start to think about my life. I got saved when I was eight years old. Eight years old. Let me tell you, I stayed saved. I never backslid. I never walked away from Christ. I loved church. I loved the things of God. I mean, I did some knucklehead things, but, but I was all in. Somebody asked me this week, they said, did you always want to be a preacher? I said, absolutely. From the moment I was eight years old, I was saved, and that's all I ever wanted to do. I got no backup plan. I got no other talents, and even this talent is shaky. But I'm telling you right now, I got nothing else. There's no fallback plan. And so... This is it. This is it. And I said, this is all I ever wanted. But I started to think about my life. That's been a lot of years. It's been decades. And over my life, God expects not just that I grow spiritually, but that I'm willing to take somebody along with me and pour my life into theirs. And if you've been saved, watch this. If you've been saved more than a year, huh? More than a year, which is probably the majority of people in this room. God expects for you to disciple someone. To grow, but also to bring somebody along and say, hey, listen. I want to talk to you about Christ. I want to talk to you about Christianity. To talk to a a neighbor, a co-worker, invite them to church and say, okay, listen, we're going to do this thing together. I've got a lot to give and God expects that I give it. He really does. We have a saying that, that goes like this. We want to make disciple makers. You say, what does that mean? We want to make people who are going to 
duplicate themselves and, and disciple others. Jesus called people and he said this. It was a really simple call. He said, come and follow me. And they just watched him. They watched how he taught. They watched that he prayed for, for the sick. They watched that he had compassion and loved and he welcomed kids. And he said, bring all the kids in. And, and he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. And they spent three years following after them, him. And then when he went to heaven, he said, okay, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And now you're going to partner with the Holy Spirit and you're going to do exactly what I did. And then Peter and James and John, guess what they did? They taught and they laid hands on the sick, huh? And they blessed kids. They did exactly what he did. And my hope in life is that I don't get to the end of my days and when I exit this earth, people come and, and you know, I, I want a lot of people at my funeral and I want them to be really sad. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we loved him. He was awesome. I mean, but you know, I, I know I've been to funerals. I've, I've done a lot of funerals. I've officiated a lot of funerals. And I know that we always say some of the typical same stuff. He loved his family. You know, they say that just about everybody loved his family, lived for his family. But here's what I want said at my funeral. I want all of that. Nothing wrong with that. I want that said of me too. But I want somebody to say, he changed my life because he poured his life into mine. Amen. Would you do this this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Those words caught me this week. I know I had this series prepared and we had these values already laid out. But I didn't have any scriptures lined up yet until I started studying this week. I said, I had a lot of different direction I could go. I was really going to talk about the parables and the, the seed and the sower and some other different scriptures. But when I got to Hebrews chapter 5 and I read that, that phrase just stuck out at me. You ought. By now, by this time, it's been so many years. For some of us, myself, it's been decades. You ought to be pouring your life to be teachers. You ought to be contributors. You ought to be volunteering. You ought to be using your gifts and talents and abilities. You ought to be generous. You ought to be giving. You you ought to be. There's a, there's a, listen now, there's an obligation. It's a debt. It's a requirement. And God is speaking to each one of us today. And if you've been saved more than a year, man, I got a question for you that I've been asking myself many, many times. Who are you discipling? Who am I discipling? Who am I pouring my life into? My wife, my kids, they're, they're number one on my list. I want to disciple them. They'll be my truest disciples because they live with me. But then there's got to be others that God would put in my life, that I'd pour my life into them. Use my talents, my abilities. We've actually had people leave the church 
because they didn't want to work in the nursery anymore. And I thought, that's sad because there's so many kids in that kid's church, in that nursery. They just need somebody to pour their life into theirs. In our kid's church, in our youth, middle school, in connect groups, Somebody needs your voice. Somebody needs your wisdom. We grow spiritually, and then the requirement of us is that we give what we've learned out. Can I pray for you today? With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me ask you today, maybe somebody walked into this room unsure of their eternal destination, unsure of their relationship with Christ, you sense a tugging and a pulling by the Holy Spirit right now on your life. And if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I need to surrender my life to Christ. I feel distant. I feel disconnected. I feel away from God. Man, I'd love to pray with you today to receive Jesus Christ to come into your life to now take over and be in charge. He'll forgive you today. Wipe the slate clean. He'll put your feet on a new path. And if you need that today, right where you're at, would you just raise your hand very high and say, Pastor, that's me. Absolutely. I unashamedly want to say today, I need to surrender my life to Christ. Hallelujah. Well, can I encourage you today? Can I ask you, everyone in this place, would you stand to your feet? Each one of us, let's stand up and I want to pray with you today. And here's the expectation of us. First of all, that we live a disciplined lifestyle, right? That's the first step, really. From day one, the expectation is that we get into this book, we read it, we digest it, we study it, we pray. If it's 15 minutes a day, listen, that's going to help you grow. It's going to help you grow. Right, And then you just begin to say, okay, God, now where do you want me? What's my purpose? Because spiritual growth is all about you fulfilling God's purpose for your life. I want to just encourage you in a couple of things. We have some classes and they're ongoing right now. And there'll be a new series starting uh, probably in, in a few weeks. But we have our discovery classes and Discovery is our Christian growth classes, and Pastor Tom Urso is here, and, and he leads our Discovery classes, and, and so he can point you in the right direction. Just go to the info table, and you can find out some information. But Christian growth classes just help you find some more information. I talked this, this morning about the gifts of the Spirit and, and, and being Spirit-led, and, and Discovery 3 teaches all of you, teaches you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what that is spiritual gifts, the person of the Holy Spirit. Discovery 2 talks about spiritual warfare. How do you overcome temptation? What does it mean to put on the armor of God? Right? Discovery 1 is the basics of Christianity, water baptism, evangelism, giving. And so, so these are important. Then we have an equipped leadership class that teaches you about leadership and how can I get involved. And then every week, I mean, right now, every week, we have connect groups. And our connect groups really help ground you and build relationships. And I lead a couple connect groups, man. We have fun and, 
And so not all of them are just open up the Bible and let's get deep. Some of them you have dinner and you just talk about God over dinner. I have a men's group that meets once a month. We just go do crazy stuff. We go, we went, you know, go-karting and then this month we're going shooting and next month we're going axe throwing. I don't even know, but we're just going to go axe throwing. We're going to find some axes. We're going to just throw them, all right? And so that should be fun, I guess, right? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? And, um, but what it is, it helps you build relationships. It just helps you build relationships. I want to encourage you, grab one of these out. If you're not already attending a connect group, I know a lot of you are, but we had a huge, huge turnout for our connect groups. I want to encourage you to find a connect group. We got them every day of the week, every day of the week. And uh, find one, get planted in one. And so I encourage you to do that. Would you do this this morning? Put your hand over your heart. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I, I've been saved a long time too. Or even if you've been here five years or just a Christian for five years. If you're not currently discipling somebody, let me tell you, my prayer for you today is God just brings somebody into your life. Bring somebody into your life. And that's, that's the beauty of connect groups because that's where you find somebody and be able to disciple somebody in, in one of those places. And so I want to encourage you today, just allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you.